listeners. Thank you for tuning into Art to Heart, where we delve into the creative minds of the artists in the Fort Wayne area. I'm your host, Mandy Kolkman. This podcast sheds light on the thoughts, feelings, and backgrounds of the artisans that bring pizzazz to Fort Wayne. Discover tips on being your most creative self and hear about upcoming events in the arts community. I am here with Derek Reeves, the principal violist for the Fort Wayne Philharmonic. My first introduction to Mr. Reeves was about three years ago when I first moved to Fort Wayne and started working at the Fillmore on Broadway. Derek played in an event we had with the talented saxophonist, Mark Maxwell. And since moving to Fort Wayne, I have attended numerous Philharmonic events, which I'm always impressed with. And recently, I had the opportunity to dance during their Halloween show, Spooktacular. Thanks for joining us today, Derek. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mandy. It's great to be here. Now, what does it mean to be a principal with an orchestra? Every section has a principal. So the concertmaster leads the, the entire orchestra, where there's a principal second violin, there's a principal cellist, there's a principal violist, a principal flute player. And so basically the principal is the leader of their particular section, sort of coordinate their section with other sections. So if they're, you know, goings that need to be coordinated or articulations that need to be discussed, it's going to be the, the, the principal that, that, that sort of leads that discussion, so to speak. Thanks for explaining that for us. And you've also been a concert master with several orchestras. Can you explain to our audience what that entails? Yeah, so the concert master is the first violinist, the first chair, first violinist, who is kind of the quarterback for uh, all of the strings. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also the person that comes out at the beginning of the concert and, and signals for the oboe to give the A, the tuning note. So, so there's sort of a ceremonial aspect that's uh, that's tied in with the function of concertmaster. They're kind of like the leader of all of the strings, but they're also the principal uh, first violinist. Oh, okay, so they have both roles. Correct. Now you've been the principal violist with the Philharmonic since 2003, but you just mentioned a violin and. Sounds like you haven't always played the viola. Could you tell us what instrument you started out with and why you made the switch? Sure. Yeah, I started on the violin, which is very similar to the viola, but it's a little bit smaller than the viola. Since I started at such a young age, they have a graded series of sizes Mm. for the violin, like they do for all instruments. But the full-size violin, is uh, the body of it is only 14 inches long. Mm -hmm. And so... I guess there came a point where the instrument stopped growing with me. <laughs> and I started to experience a certain lack of comfort with the instrument, you know, as a, as a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing hours and hours every day, there needs to be a certain degree of physical comfort with the instrument. Mm-hmm. And I found that that was, that was lacking. Um, and so um, after working for a, a while as a professional violinist, Purely as a professional violinist, I decided that um, I might want to consider a career adjustment. Mm. It was kind of daunting at the time because I'd never played the viola. <laughs> I never studied it. Although the technique by which one plays it is similar, the role of uh, the violist in the orchestra is slightly different. There was, there was quite a bit of relearning 
And now you just mentioned that you started your studies at a young age. I think I read two and a half. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you made your Carnegie Hall debut while still in high school, which is unbelievable. At what age did you know that music was the career you wanted to pursue? Probably in my early teens, early teens. Like I think I knew by about 13 or 14, <laughs> really. Um, you know, it's something that I'd always done. Was I mean, I was interested by other things. I think when I found out that I could actually make a living playing music, mm-hmm. I was like, well, why would I want to consider anything else? Yeah. You know? And when you mean found out, uh, just realized that you had a talent in it or realized that, hey, that's a job. When I realized that, hey, that's a job, people <laughs> get paid to do this. Yeah. So you, you know? still had to continue working and, yeah. To, to get to that level, uh, the professional level. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. What does a typical work week look like for a member of the Fort Wayne Philharmonic? They all have in common that they involve some sort of rehearsals and some sort of performance. (laughs) Um, But beyond that, you know, it can be a different venue. It could be the embassy. It could be the Performing Arts Center. It could be chamber music. It could be my my quartet, the Fryman Quartet, does Mm -hmm. a concert series at um, at the History Center and also at uh, Reinhardt Hall Mm -hmm. at IPFW. We play concerts at Our Hall, which is a wonderful performance space at IPFW. But we will have typically between three to five rehearsals for a concert cycle that get, I guess you could say, uh, progressively more intense as the, cl- the closer we get to the concert. There's a dress rehearsal mm-hmm. right before the concert, and then the concert always happens on Weekends, usually uh, Saturday nights, sometimes Friday nights, sometimes Sunday afternoons. And then we do a variety of outreach as well. Mm. So um, there are lots of chamber music uh, groups. Chamber music is just groups of small ensembles. So Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier my chamber music group is called the Fryman Quartet. It's two violins, a viola, and a cello. It's all made up of the principal players. And we do a variety of outreach that involves going to area nursing homes, playing in schools, doing educational outreach. And so it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty busy job. Oh, wow. Sounds like it. And right now you guys are, uh, we're recording here in December, so you guys are in the middle of holiday pops. Yeah, we're deep in the grind, in the, the holiday pops grind. We're doing holiday pops runouts. We just finished up a string of nutcrackers. We're oh, doing yeah. getting ready for the in-town holiday pops at the embassy with the Philharmonic Chorus and the Children's Choir. And um, we've got Messiah coming up. Um, and then there are a variety of non-Philharmonic gigs because everybody wants uh, you know holiday music for their parties or for their get-togethers. And so I just did like a holiday duo last night with Alicia Pyle at the oh, Fort Wayne Country Club. Um, I've got another performance this morning at Indiana Tech <laughs> with members of the Fryman Quartet for doing a holiday performance there. So it's a it's a really crazy time of year. Oh, wow. Sounds like it. What is the most difficult thing about what you do? That's a really interesting question. You know, I mean, there's challenges in terms of the music and, you know, making sure that, it, but that's all part of our job. I well, don't think of it as difficult. I, I guess the, the most difficult thing about what we do is people thinking that it's not really a job. Mm. <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> people thinking that, or, you know, people are like, uh, 
you know, oh, you play with the Philharmonic, great. And and what's your day job? You oh know? my gosh. Or or just kind of communicating to people that uh, that music is an essential part of life. Just kind of keeping it relevant, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, relevant to people's lives. Yeah. And that must be a great message for you to pass on to your students that, hey, this is out there if you'd like to pursue it. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, the life of a musician is um, it's not easy in the sense that getting a job in an orchestra Mm -hmm. um, is is actually a very difficult process. Uh, Once you're in the job, it's it's very enjoyable. mm -hmm. But I, I should maybe talk a little bit about the process of getting the job. Yeah. Because that's something that a lot of people aren't aware of, just how hard it is to get a position in a symphony orchestra. Right. And I was kind of wondering that, too. I mean, you have the music sheet in front of you, and what separates a good musician from a bad musician? So you can play the notes, but that can't be it that makes you the artist that you are. You know, there's so much more to it. The process by which one gets a job, first of all, there's a blind audition. So imagine that you are going, you know, I mean, if you're going into an audition as a dancer, mm-hmm. right, everybody's going to see you. Right. Right. There's no such thing <laughs> as a blind Exactly. <laughs> but imagine that you walk out, you're auditioning for a, a job as a violinist with an orchestra. Mm-hmm. You're walking out onto a stage, say, our hall at IPFW. There's a carpet there, a carpet runner, so they don't know, they can't hear the sounds of your footsteps. They don't know if you're male or female. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a curtain up that the committee is sitting behind, behind, so they can't see you. All that they're going to go on is what they hear. As a performer, it's important to establish a connection with the people that you're performing for, mm-hmm. you know, and partially that's done visually. Right. You know, right off the bat, that's taken out of the equation. Uh. Okay, so you still have to try to find a way to connect. But when you're talking about an orchestral audition, you got the notes, obviously, but there's elements of style. Style has to be stylistically correct. Mm-hmm. It has to be rhythmically impeccable. Um, it can't rush. It can't drag. And basically, you have to make the entire committee feel like you are there with the orchestra. Mm-hmm. You have to make them imagine the rest of the piece you're just playing excerpts from Hmm. which is really hard to do yeah you have to be a master of your own physiology in terms of nervousness you know because everybody feels nervous but you have to be able to control it or else your fine motor skills are just going to go down the tubes you know a lot of what you do in the audition is going to involve you know rapid playing um extreme dynamics being able to play really fast, really slow, mm-hmm. and to be able to do it basically note perfect, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so, so it's 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 uh it's challenging because you know mistakes are part of being human. Everybody right. makes mistakes, but in uh, an audition, I don't want to say that you have to play like a robot or a machine, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what's expected in terms of accuracy and consistency. Right. But there still has to be that sort of human element, that mm. that, that uh, communication, the sensitivity, the musicality, all of those things are being looked for. It's, it's a very daunting process. I bet. 
Is classical music your favorite genre to play? What about when you're just relaxing at home or driving in the car? What do you like to listen to? You know, I listen to all types of music. I, I, I love jazz oh, as okay. well as classical. When I'm driving, I actually listen to more jazz and podcasts. <laughs> love um, podcasts. Me too. Me too. I still listen to classical, but I play so much classical at work oh, yeah. that a person that works at McDonald's, you know, all day, <laughs> is probably not going to go home and have another hamburger. Right. You know, so so it's kind of like that. Uh, so I like to listen to things that I, that I haven't heard, and I'm always looking for new things to listen to. And that doesn't exclude classical music, but um, as far as my favorite genre to play, I absolutely love to play classical music, but I also love playing other types of music. So I don't play exclusively classical music, but it's certainly at the top of my list. Do you have a favorite composer? I love Brahms mm. and Shostakovich and Mahler, Strauss. We have a lot of favorite composers. I have a few. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say those are my top four. We were talking how you've been in the full swing right now for the holiday season. You've mm -hmm. been performing alongside a few Nutcrackers. And I know as a dancer, it's always a huge treat to have live accompaniment. Is that something you enjoy as well, performing for those Nutcrackers? Or do you prefer when it's just the orchestra? Oh, I love love playing ballet. Love playing ballet. I love the Nutcracker and opera. You know, I'm a, a fan of live music in general. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm a fan of art in general, and I just don't think it has the same effect when you see uh, a ballet troupe or, you know, a ballet company performing with canned music, oh. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so so for me, it's lacking, and, and I enjoy being part of that sort of live experience. Mm -hmm. And also on a personal note, you know, I, I went to IU, mm -hmm. Indiana University, the Nutcracker was a huge part of oh, yeah. the, the music school in the winter season. I mean, we probably did close to like 22, 24 Nutcracker performances. Yep. Um, that's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bit much. But, you know, doing three, you know, three, mm -hmm. it's, it's great. <laughs> that's amazing that IU has their orchestra play with all of their performances at Butler. We still had the 22 performances for Nutcracker, mm -hmm. but our orchestra only played when it was the weekend. Did I know that you went to Butler? I don't know. You know, my I grew up just 15 minutes down the street uh, from Butler. Oh, okay. And in fact, I took lessons. Of, many of my teachers were at Butler. Oh, like wow. Like Shapiro, Vartan Manoogian. Oh, nice. Since we uh, we moved to Indianapolis in 1982. Okay. We, we, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I spent a lot of time at the, on the Butler campus and practice rooms. And, oh, yeah. It's yeah. a great campus. Yeah. Very focused on the arts. So mm -hmm. I was very appreciative of that. So we talked a little bit about the blind auditions and what makes a musician good at their craft. So in your opinion, what is that? And we had said, you know, sure, someone can hit all of the right notes, but what sets a musician apart from other musicians? That's, that's a good question. I, I think for me, uh, what sets a musician apart from other musicians is the person that can make you forget that they're playing an instrument, mm -hmm. you know? There's a certain degree of struggle involved in learning, mastering, and then com ultimately communicating through an instrument. And when a person can get to that point where the instrument is uh, like a, a vehicle or a, a conduit through which they communicate, that, that to me is uh, sort of a, another level, you know, because 
for so much of our education, we kind of struggle to, you know, to get better at this, to do that. And so at certain levels, you know, one is very aware that there's this person, not to sound too uh, you know, Eastern or, 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 <laughs> or uh, philosophical about it, but the person that's able to just be the music yeah, rather than a person playing an instrument, playing a song on mm -hmm. an instrument. You know what I mean? Right. So a um, person is able to transcend the idea of sort of limitations to some degree. Yeah, makes sense. What does music allow you to do that no other job or activity in the world could offer you? You know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is to just connect with our higher selves and with each other. Mm -hmm. To connect through art is uh, something that to me transcends language, transcends uh, ethnicity, you know, race, gender, and sort of takes communication and expression into into a higher realm. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of many other pursuits where we're able to do that, you know. So many pursuits we're either trying to benefit ourselves or or benefit other people, take advantage of people, situation, control. And and there's a place for all, you know, these different pursuits and everything. But as far as expressing that which sort of defines the human experience, um, I don't see anything doing that besides art, mm -hmm. you know, music, dance, literature, visual arts, you know, architecture. You know, so I, I think that's that's what keeps me sort of focused on it after all of this time. What advice would you give to your students who wish to pursue a similar career path and play in an orchestra? I would say keep your standards very high <laughs> and your expectations very low. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I would say that it's not for the faint of heart. I don't recommend that, that all students go into music. Mm -hmm. The number of students that I've actually encouraged to go into music has been relatively small. That being said, the, the person that ends up doing it is the person that can't imagine themselves doing anything else. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that they don't have other skills or talents. Right. I mean that they feel so driven by it that they're going to do it no matter what. Yeah. You know, so, and if they have that drive, then there's really no other option. Mm -hmm. And to those students, I would say, work your behind off. Yeah. <laughs> be prepared for disappointment, but never take it personally. And, uh, you know, grow a thick skin, practice your scales. Mm. <laughs> practice lots and lots of scales every day. And um, never lose, lose the spark, the, the creative spark mm. or the passion for what you do. Yeah, that's great. What performances do you have that we can be looking forward to? 2016, the Philharmonic will still be going strong. <laughs> Go to fwphil.com, uh, check out all the uh, things that we're doing in the, the classical and, and pops and, and uh, chamber series with the, with the Philharmonic. Definitely check out the Alicia Pyle Quartet. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff going on. But goodness, with December, I'm, I'm just trying to get through December. I know that. <laughs> and for the listeners out there who have not had the pleasure of meeting you, what is the one thing you'd like them to know about you? That, uh, I don't know. Nice guy and love music. <laughs> He's mean. He's I'm really mean. mean. No, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Well, it's a pleasure having you here today, Derek. Thank Thanks you, so Mandy. much. It's been great, uh, great being here. Thanks for a great interview.
And we will end today's podcast with a quote from Henry Ford. And this quote is actually one of Derek's favorites. The man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both right. Which one are you? And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.